Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Damon Gemmo. He's an Australian filmmaker, writer, producer, director, actor. He's doing a little bit of everything uh, these days, it seems to me. We had a delightful time. Honestly, Damon was one of those guys, as most of my guests are, thankfully, that I could have talked to for several hours. I got to tell you, when I when I turn off the microphone, when I say goodbye and I leave now, and that you know that for you Zoomers out there, uh, you'll know what I mean. Leave now. Leave the Zoom call. Shut down the conversation. I feel like I've just walked off stage. It's it's really it's life giving to have these conversations. It really is. It's the stuff of life. It seems to me. Damon Gemmo talks about his new film, Twenty Forty, and how he is looking for people who are into fact based dreaming. This is a film about the environment. It's a film about climate change, but it really is deeply embedded with this. Not just a notion of hope, but you can really see the hope come through in his guests and the kids that he interviews. There's a there's an edge to this that's so funny and fun, and it's got that. Can I say that it has Damon? Do you mind if I say it has a bit of Australian cheek to it? It's uh, it's a fun film. It's creative. It's interesting. It's full of facts as well. And if it doesn't get you doing a little bit of facts based dreaming and make you want to go out and buy a shovel. Um, you need to uh, send me a note. It's a it's a it's a wonderful film. Hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. You're gonna you're gonna hear about um, um, solution. I, I would say solution. Well, fact based dreaming, but looking for solutions. And so what Damon does is he sets up this context in the film that he is only interested in trying to figure all this out when it comes to the environment and climate change by looking at things that are actually. Um, going on right now and being being developed and built around the world right now. We talk about shared truth and shared value. We we talk about the system being rooted in inertia and and why 
the structural uh, dysfunction we we currently seem to have with us seems to be here uh, in the short term, but but maybe not in the long term. We talk about micro power grids and decentralization. We talk about seaweed that that can grow, I think, half a meter a day. I mean, how crazy is that? Who who knew that a hundred square Hundred million square kilometers of desert, water, watery desert, could ultimately be farmed. This is a film that's full of hope. It's about extrapolating, uh, you know, the best that we have. I think, as Damon would say, the best we have available. Hope you can watch the film. You need to watch the film. What's your twenty forty dot com? And more importantly, there's an impact campaign that's been developed and built around the film. Check it out online. What's your twenty forty dot com? You can access the film there as well. And the trailer, of course, there's curriculum and it, it's going big. There's impact investing, uh, getting, getting impact investors getting behind the film and the campaign. And just what, what a delight and what, what a pleasure for me to, to step into not only the film, but the conversation with Damon as well coming right up. DavidPeckLive.com for more information about my speaking and my writing, my consulting. And a copy of, uh, you can get a copy of my book, Real Change is Incremental. I've got a new book uh, that's going to probably be coming out in the next year and a half or two, uh, but who knows? These things take time. Got a lot of creative work going on over here with Face to Face, but I'm working on a new book called called Minimum Impact, and it's going to be out hopefully in the not so distant future. So stay tuned for that. And um Face to face live. If you're getting to my podcast through Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud or one of the other platforms out there, check out the website, face to face live.ca. See what's going on there. Uh, over 500 interviews coming out of Hot Docs. Uh, 20, um, 2040, Damon's uh, new film, also a Hot Docs uh, selection this year as well. And uh, sign up for the newsletter. Um, you can advertise with us. We can do shout outs. You can get onto the newsletter. You can get onto the website. So if you're interested, reach out. You can support us through Patreon. Wow, that would be amazing. And more importantly, if you could take even a couple of minutes to leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes, and that would be genius. The more social mediation we get, the better. Uh, share the newsletter with your friends and family. Tweet about us. We'd love that. And don't forget to check out the films. I'm, I'm consciously trying to, to, to do interviews with filmmakers where you can access the films right after hearing the interviews. Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the distribution agreements, you know, these things take time. But, but keep, keep your eyes peeled and your ears posted. And don't forget rabble.ca, a platform that I exist on where where face-to-face uh, lives. And you can uh, listen to a whole other uh, host of podcasters, bloggers, and thinkers there, uh, rabble.ca. Coming right up, Damon Gimmeau and his new film, 2040. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined. Uh, we actually are face to face digitally, and we are joined by Damon Gamo here, filmmaker, actor, writer, producer. Uh, what else can we get in there, Damon? Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today, all the way from Australia. My pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. So, hey, listen, uh, w- wonderful film, uh, 2040. What's your 2040? Uh, is the question, uh, and that we're going to drive people to that website. Uh, what's your? T- let's do that right now. Actually, what's your 2040.com? I believe is the actual website where you can find out uh, more about the film, the trailer, the impact campaign. You're going to learn more about uh, why 350 parts per million is a terrific goal. Uh, Damon, give us a little intro into the film. Um, what's going on here and and tell me about the uh, the sense of humor you bring to such a potentially traumatic issue we have sort of before us yeah there's a lot to answer there so <laughs> go whichever <laughs> way you want man 
I think the film, um, for those that don't know, is ostensibly a letter to my daughter showing her what the world could look like in 2040 if we put into practice the best solutions that we have available today. And I call it an exercise in fact-based dreaming. And I think that phrase is particularly important because I didn't want the film to be a fanciful utopian exercise in terrible parenting, uh, giving false hope. Everything I show in 2040 has to already exist today. So it's a film really about extrapolating the best of what we already have mm. available. And I think the great takeaway for people is that, um, wow, we actually have everything we need right now to turn so many of these issues around. We're just lacking the political will, obviously, in the vested interest and the design, the architecture of our system, which we can get to later. But I'd say it was also an intervention, I guess, on the dystopian narrative that we have around our future, that any Hollywood film portrays a world that is certainly devoid of nature. Um, humans are invariably living in slums. We're often chased by robots. It's not a world that I think many of us want to inherit or have our children to in inhabit. Mm -hmm. So I sort of wanted to make sure that we were also showing the other pathways that are possible, which is um, that we have an opportunity to, to reframe this crisis we're in as an extraordinary moment in our history to tr fundamentally transform the way we interact with each other and all of our living systems and try and sell that as a story as opposed to the sales pitch which is currently based around depravity, sacrifice, relinquishing, where people will retreat into fear, don't want to give up those things, vote for, for more authoritarian leaders, build walls to protect climate refugees. I mean, that's the path where we're headed on right now. I feel we desperately need a new story for this moment to say that we could actually enhance our communities, have cleaner air, healthier food, a better future for our kids. That's the sort of the, the fork in the road that we face right now. And we have to start throwing up these alternative narratives to show people that there is a different pathway that's possible. So good, man. I, I, I don't, why aren't you teaching a course on this stuff? Holy mackerel. What a, well, I would say that we, we can get to it, but we do have curriculum materials that um, <laughs> a million children now have in, in our country, which is just wonderful. That's amazing. That's amazing. Were you, were you an environmentalist before you became a father? I think I was a closet environmentalist. <laughs> okay. In the sense that I knew it was an issue, but I didn't know how to engage with it. Right. I felt overwhelmed by the enormity of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What I can what can what can I do, right? What can I do? Yeah, and I couldn't find an entry point, and I that was really a catalyst for how I made the film was that I was struggling to finish articles that were about the dying reefs or the melting ice caps, and I couldn't even finish the article. And then I thought, what psychologically, what's happening there? Why am I, as a father, not able to connect with a topic that I actually care about? And the more I explored the psychology and the framing of narratives and how we tell stories, especially around our future and the role of hope and the role of the limbic system versus the prefrontal cortex, that's what really started me on this path of, of making this film and throwing in a different form, a different narrative to the immediate urgency panic narrative that we have, which is important. But if you're going to sound the fire alarm, you've also got to show people where the exits are. And I feel like that narrative has been sorely lacking. 
I love that it's Good Thing Productions and Regen Films. You know, that it's just, it's embedded everywhere. Offset carbon credits, you tell us right out of the gate, were used before we even step into the film. You're, you're, you know what I mean? You, 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 you planted a forest at the end of the film, just, just in case we didn't cover our bases. The, the thought and, and the intention. Um, are you, would you say you are, I mean, I think I know this answer, but are you a person of hope by nature or do you, do you struggle with that? Do you have to get out of bed in the morning and say, no, it can be better? I think my friends and wife would say I probably am a glass half full person. Right. But I think um, what the last five years of this film has taught me is that there's a very, there's a lot of difference between, there, there are varieties of hopes. There's species of hope. And I feel that my hope has got a lot more muscular and grounded than it was five years ago that I, I was sort of a bit more whimsical hope, a bit more election promise hope. Than, than the grounded muscular version. And I, I feel really, I feel much better for having done the research and met the people that I have over the last five years. And I think that's why I'm trying to amplify this message because it has changed my worldview quite profoundly. Um, when you reach out beyond the spotlight of the mainstream narrative mm. and, and go into the shadows and find these incredible people doing wonderful things with scalable ready to go shovel ready solutions if we can just shift that spotlight onto those people and inspire other people to get on board i, I feel like we might be able to get this done faster than people realize i love i love how you you're you're establishing shot as a shovel going into the ground isn't it correct yeah. i've never heard the phrase shovel ready solutions before the, the metaphor of construction and the new beginning. And I, I worked, I'm an electrician by trade. I've worked in construction. I've seen buildings come out of the dirt. Uh, yeah. That's not what you as an environmentalist is probably hoping for, a building coming out of the dirt, but still the, the beauty of the, the act of creation and the, 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 the collaboration, Damon, that has to happen in order to create a building or create anything, frankly, right? And, and isn't that what this is kind of all about? Oh, by the way, my favorite new person is... Um, uh, Neil uh, from Bangladesh, and you got to tell us about that. That what is it? That off the grid more? What is it more than a grid? Off the grid? It's, it's solar a, share. Yeah, it's called a microgrid setup. Microgrid. And, thank you. Yeah, I mean Neil is one of those people where, and I've met a lot of them now. Where Neil's twenty-two, I think, when we filmed That's that. Crazy. And yeah. Just his eloquence and his creativity yeah. um, is why I, I do have moments of hope because that generation are quite astounding. Some of them. So the, the setup in Bangladesh that they've done is um, any home that has a solar panel and a battery setup, they give them this special box which allows them to connect with a neighbour's home with the same setup. So if you get a group of houses, say 10 in your village, that all connect together, they pull and form this sort of microgrid of energy. So someone might be not using the power at one stage, so they take that from the collective energy, someone else will need it at a different time. And they also, they just form this little cell almost. And then the beauty is they then can connect to the next 10 houses and suddenly they grow in strength, exactly like the cells are in our body. And then you can just keep moving from village to village. So instead of having a large centralized form of energy, you start to decentralize that model. And the advantages are that if there is a natural disaster and there's about four or five a year in Bangladesh, they have this resilience because even if the main grid goes down, they have their own energy. But I think most importantly, at a time where we're facing 
ridiculous levels of income inequality, the buying and selling of energy within that community allows that money to stay in the community and not go off to an energy provider somewhere else. So it's, it's just creating resilience, localization. It's obviously using clean energy. It's just a beautiful solution. And thankfully it's starting to really take off in other parts of the world in a developed country. One of our cities in Australia has just put in a 60,000 home version of it, a virtual power plant, they're calling it. And already the benefits to the grid in terms of stabilizing it, lowering emissions have just been wonderful. So I think we're gonna get more of that in the future, this peer-to-peer -peer exchange of energy. Regulations are preventing it from happening in a lot of our countries at the I moment. Was gonna, I was gonna say, you, don't you bring out in the film that in some countries this is, this is actually illegal, which is just astounding to me, but... but yeah, well, this is, again, the, the, the paradigm system architecture problem that we, we need to probably talk about at some point is that it doesn't fit the current model, which is very hierarchical, very competitive, rivalrous, um, to get through this, we're gonna to have to sort of really fundamentally change some of those um, pillars of, our, of, our, of the game we're playing right now and allow this more decentralized approach. Um, it is starting to happen and I think we will get there. Um, even in Australia, we're starting to have conversations that change those regulations even in the last six months, which is quite a big thing for us given how embedded we are to the fossil fuel industry. Um, but yeah, it might just take longer than it should, but the technology is there and once people really understand its benefits, uh, it, it could fundamentally revolutionize the way we, we share energy and, and use our energy. So I'm an electrician by trade. I, I, I kind of danced around UPS systems and battery banking systems. I haven't been on the tools, as they say, in many, many years, but I was absolutely blown away by SoulShare. Like, this is the coolest thing of all time. Like, what's so hard about that? Why, why hasn't somebody come up with this before? And I love the way you blend your approach to filmmaking. I mean, and I think this is a commentary about you too, but I love how you use animation here. You got a drone shot, you pull back, and all of a sudden we're just, all we're doing is connecting the dots. And isn't this what your film is really all about? There's a thread here, folks. We just got to figure out how to work together i guess maybe a little yeah. better us eight what is it seven and a half billion humans yeah 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 i mean there's there's two points i make there quickly the first one is that people have shared your enthusiasm for that solution and it's interesting because we set up we can get to this but the, the film is just a small part of a much larger ecosystem that we build around the film and there's an action campaign that allows people to get involved and bring to life some of the solutions that they might have seen in the film and we've just had an extraordinary response to that and Case in point is the microgrids. We, we partnered mm. with a company in Australia and we set up an equity crowdfund model. So wow. rather than people just donating their money, we said, how about you take a stake in this so we can deal with the inequality question at the same time. And we raised almost a million dollars in three weeks for wow. that solution because people were just so excited by its potential. So I think that's why it is starting to spread around the world. But to your point around the the graphics and the communication. I, I think that was a really important point to make because I think, especially in the climate space, um, and it's not their fault, but I think sometimes we've just relied too much on the scientists to do the work of communicating for us. Right. And right. their wheelhouse is facts and graphs and logic, and that's terrific. But we are a species that's evolved to tell stories. That's good. So I think we need to help them by distilling some of that information into 
ways that move people more and, and use their statistics, but tell the story better, make it exciting, make it emotional. Um, there's work to be done there. That sort of combining art and science, I feel like we desperately need it right now. And, and that was a, a big motivation for me making this film was to, to take some of that information out of the ivory towers and that academic mm. language, the anthropogenics, the zero net carbon, all these things that don't stir the soul and pull them right down to a level that mum and dad and grandma and a nine-year-old can all watch and get excited and then tell their friends and get involved. We need to be much more cognizant of our audience and who we're communicating to, I think, in these areas. I love, too, how you bring kids in. You know, you, you, talk, about, uh, you talk about real change, you know. I mean, I don't know if the phrase splash and ripple comes up in the film, but, but this is one giant pebble, it seems to me. One giant cinematic pebble, and I'm so thrilled for you on the Impact Campaign. And by the way, I don't think I've said congratulations yet either. It's, it's a brilliant film, man. It's, it's so much fun. It's practical. It's funny. It's engaging. It's thoughtful. I came away. I'm a, I'm a better person for having seen your film. I mean, there's so much I've learned and had a great time as well like how cool is that and and to your point earlier i didn't walk away with this dystopic cynical kind of uh sorry i was going to square there we're screwed we're we're done right we're toast you know but no there there is hope and and oh and again another another uh, you know uh, another shout out here i can't believe you got paul hawken that's fantastic one of the greatest books i i've ever read is the ecology of commerce big shout out everybody by the way gotta pick that book up like it it changed my life right mm -hmm. the fact that these the the neils the 22 year old neils of the world are going to turn it upside down that's right i'd, I'd say uh, we've had an extraordinary response to the film right around the world over the last year and i would have done almost 170 different q and a's with the film and wow the ones that i i get the most buoyed by are the school group screenings uh, we took the film to the Climate Action Summit in the UN and we did a screening for all the youth delegates, all the 17 and 18 year olds from around the world. And that's when my heart lifts and I, and I yep. feel very confident about my daughter's future because they are so articulate on this subject. They are so emboldened and empowered in terms of um, taking action and they have just a, a laser-like focus on getting this job done and, and they're not going to stop. Uh, and I think um, that we should do all we can to encourage them. But again, that's not about just marching in the streets with them. It's actually also mm. showing them the careers of the future and showing them the possibilities right. of where they could put their efforts and give them things to fight for instead of just fight against. Uh, I think that's really important, especially and what, for that generation. And, and 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 one of them has to at some point in the fear, in the near in the not so distant future invent a giant vacuum that's gonna suck up rubbish. Yeah. That's gotta that's gotta happen, Damon, at some point. That was well, he, he's quite a favorite that one he's um he's got a very special mind that young boy um and the other favorite i think is the young girl that wants the rocket boots and right. she's going to start a global empire of rocket boots so yep we need this uh this brave bold thinking and uh that generation has it in spades absolutely that's yeah it's so cool that uh, well that, and that, is that the aussie sense of humor coming out or is that just your sense of humor, your comedic sense of timing and so on. Because there really is a real, uh, can I say, a cheeky edge to the film as well? Yeah, I think that is probably part of Australian culture. We sort of, um, we don't do reverence very well. Right, we funny. We do irony well. We don't like anything that's too earnest. We have a 
something called the tall poppy syndrome here in Australia. It means that anyone that thinks they're better than anyone else or gets ahead of themselves, we just cut them down very quickly. <laughs> right. we, we don't allow that kind of behavior. So even our biggest film stars, you know, the Hemsworths or Nicole Kimmers, they come home and, and they're just brought back to worth very quickly. So I do think that's a, that's a good quality to have. Um, and it keeps everyone a little grounded and on their, on their toes. Well, I, you know, you, how can you not be, uh, I, and it sounds to me like you're talking a little bit about humility there and like a, a good Canadian myself, you, you guys love sarcasm. I mean, we, we're, we're, we got a pretty sarcastic edge here in Canada as well, but there was, and I'm, I'm looking for the number, but you've got one of the environmentalists, uh, climatologists, whoever was speaking about the hundred million square miles of desert which is the ocean. Is that, is that the number, Damon? Just how can you not be humbled by that? And, and, and this weed that grows a meter a day and you go, why haven't we unlocked it? Like what's going on? You know, the potential, the opportunity here, right? Easy for me to say, I know nothing about it. So take it from there. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the more exciting aspects that people come away with in the film is what they didn't understand is the, is the power of seaweed. Um, which, which is a hilarious phrase, by the way, the power of seaweed. Just, yeah, seaweed is one of the worst named <laughs> organisms in the world, given its potential and actually power. So the, it is one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing organism in the world. Some of the red seaweeds, they grow half a metre a day and up to 50 metres long. And because they're doing that, they're, they're sequestering enormous amounts of carbon out of the atmosphere very, very quickly, which is, of course, what we need to be doing. But they also have this raft of other cascading benefits where they will alkalize the water, which has become was 30% more acidic than it was 150 years ago because of the carbon we've put into it. They allow the fish to lay their eggs and create sort of thriving marine ecosystems. But the seaweed can be used now for biofuels and uh, plastics and fibers as a food source itself. And all the science says that once you harvest that seaweed and let it sink, down to the bottom of the ocean floor. Once it gets below a thousand meters, the weight of the ocean will actually store it there for potentially for millennia. So it's a, an incredible opportunity to sequester carbon from the atmosphere, put it into a biomass and then store it. Um, and of course, as we know, the oceans, it's a huge amount of area that we aren't utilizing. And this is not a destructive technology. It's a regenerative technology because it's kind of growing kelp forests out at sea so we just get all these benefits plus as our land crops become more and more vulnerable as in temp temperatures increase it's such a beautiful option for food security so you can imagine down the coasts of africa or bangladesh or other asian countries to have this secondary food source that's also providing jobs and cleaning up the ocean is has enormous impacts uh, in terms of climate refugees and whatnot so mm. I think that's why people have resonated with it in the film. And since the film's come out, we've just been bombarded with impact investors and other people. And wow. there's now the beginnings of a growing industry here in Australia. Again, one of the things people could do is help build the first platform in Australia that we show in the film. That's happened because of people's donations, um, nearly $800,000. And now there's six or seven different large scale projects happening in Australia. There's one in the UK and the first global seaweed symposium <laughs> That's hilarious. Can Actually, I get a uh, it's supposed to take place uh, next week in Paris, but obviously it's been delayed. But 
all the best ocean experts and engineers are coming together to discuss the viability and scalability of this as an incredible climate solution uh, over the next decade or so. How did, so it's how incredibly did, exciting. How, how did it taste coming right out of the ocean? Look, I might have done a little bit of poetic license for the cameras there. <laughs> uh, it, it probably wasn't as good as I portrayed on camera, but it also wasn't terrible. Uh, and there are, are 14,000 different species of seaweed. Wow. And there's one actually called Dulce, D-U-L-S-E, which people tell me does taste a little like bacon, <laughs> which... Uh, Very I'm interesting. Yet, yet to prove. And uh, the surfers of Chile will tell you that they cut these huge chunks of it, like steaks of meat, and they put it on the fire after they've surfed. And they say it just tastes like salty bacon. Um, and it's a very popular dish on the coastal communities there. So we all need to sort of up our palates a little bit and potentially uh, fall in love with seaweed for a variety of reasons. So cool. The, just the, the, the metaphor of the fact that this weed grows a meter, is it a meter a day? Half, half a meter a day. Half a meter a day. That's just, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Like it just, it kind of gives me goosebumps, you know, we, we yeah. can like, here's nature telling us that we can do this without getting arrogant. We, we can, we can, we can, we can find a solution for our kids. I've got a, I've got a couple yeah. of, of young children as well. Damon, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was you um, in the film. Why is it so hard to do the right thing that, that brought that notion up? Um, especially when it, you know, you talk early on about how your daughter's going to leave the happy bubble. Seems to me that a lot of us just stay in that and never sort of come out of it. I, I, does that question make sense? It does. It's just there's a there's a, a number of different ways we can go. With the answer. I think that fundamentally we have to acknowledge that we've designed a system that has so much inertia right now. So many people have vested interest in it, whether it's debt repayments, loans, investments, that there's just so, so much inertia in it that it's incredibly hard to know what to do, how you feel you can turn around the, the enormity of it. And that the fundamentals of what we base our interactions on are around competition and domination and extraction. That's what, how we get ahead. So to suddenly be asked to be more symbiotic and interconnected and mm. decentralized is, is, really, is really tough for people. So I think what we're getting right now, we're seeing it in America particularly, whether it's income inequality, the racial issue, climate change, soil degradation, ocean acidification, I mean, you name it. There are so many feedbacks we're now getting that this system we've designed, the architecture, the functionality of it has reached its limit and that we have breached so many of our boundaries that we now have to have really serious conversations about what the next system looks like, how we transition to that, what are the things we can do right now to stop the bleeding? Otherwise, we are gonna fly off the cliff. We are consuming 100 billion metric tons of resources on this planet now from livestock, minerals, metals, far forests, fossil fuels. The earth can only sustain 50 billion. So we're already double the capacity of what the earth can endure. And yet we still talk about growth rates of 3% every year, which means our economy will double roughly every 20 years. 
which is an absolute suicide mission, mm. given that we're already breaching all of these boundaries. So COVID, I guess, presents us with this opportunity to, to stop and reflect and think about what we want to do as we re-emerge. William Davies said that to experience a crisis is to inhabit a world that is temporarily up for grabs. And uh, I think this is that opportunity. I think we know certain leaders uh, south of the border for you and sadly in my country are going to double down on the old system and invest trillions into fossil fuels and, and, and other old story infrastructure. But I think a lot of people are ready to tell a new story and that's why 2040 I think is so important, why I made it and why I want to get it out there because we do have the solutions and now's the time to push them to the fore, get people excited about them, see the opportunities that they would create. Billions of jobs, jobs with purpose and meaning mm. that will contribute to fundamentally transforming the way we interact with each other and, and our living systems. What an opportunity, what a time to be alive. So I think that's how we have to reframe this instead of this narrative of depravity and sacrifice and giving up. No, no, no. Let's tell a new story about rebuilding communities, having cleaner, healthier air and food and leaving our children and creatures a better future. That's the let's, legacy I want to let's, let's Let's tell a new story about seaweed that tastes like bacon. Exactly. I mean, how hard is that? I love the moment. There's a great moment in the film and it's just, a, it's a wonderful edit, editorial moment where you cut to a young uh, woman and she looks at the camera and says, what were you guys thinking? I think it's in the trailer. What, 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 what were we thinking? What are we thinking? I mean, I know we're, we're going ahead by 20 years, but it's the frog in the, in the, in the pot boiling, right? I mean, that, that is it. it, it slowly, if you're in your happy bubble, you got to have people like you shocking us out of our complacency. I got to get out of the bed in the morning, it seems to me, thinking and talking about these things. How do I stay on message? Yeah, I think um, we've created this environment too in terms of our storytelling that the gatekeepers of our narratives are, are very embedded in the current system and in, in these extractive industries. Uh, my country in particular, we're now in the top five of the most concentrated media landscapes in the world. So people aren't getting these stories. They're getting, the op they're getting the narrative that these stories can't create jobs, that they'll pollute the environment even more. Um, and people are believing that because that's all they're hearing. So I think we have to be really aware of that, that our storytelling needs to improve and we need to amplify it. And I, I would also argue that the complexity of our system now, we don't have the tools to communicate and have conversations with each other, they aren't up for the task. If we think of what social media is now and how polluted our information environment is and how toxic it is and how it polarizes and puts us in these tribes mm. at a time where we need nuanced, deep, complex conversations, we don't have the tools to do that. So unless we address that, I think we're in real trouble because we need to be able to listen to each other right now and, and hear counter narratives and discuss it to, relate, to reach a point where we're all in agreement, or at least close to an agreement of how to move forward. And we are eroding that day by day, as we can see. So that's enormous, that challenge. Um, and I think it's integral to us actually moving forward. John Glubb was an English historian who talked about, he studied the collapse of civilizations. And he said that the common thread was that as soon as the society lost a sense of shared truth and shared value, that democracy started to unravel. And I would say that we are 
dangerously close to that precipice right now of not even agreeing on certain facts, especially around climate and other issues. And so that's a recipe for all sorts of trouble. So, so have you thought of leaving filmmaking and going into politics? No, I mean, people have mentioned it a fair bit here in, in, in our Q and A's, but I just think the system itself is not working. And even the political system, as you know, gosh, in your part of the world, but especially in Australia as well, that, you know, we didn't have a single lobbyist in the 1980s in our country. We've now got about 5,000. Um, and anyone that joins politics, wow. unless they tow that party line, there's no room for, for us. So I don't know. I mean, I think there de desperately needs to be a, a big reboot to the system and there's the potential of new parties we're seeing around the world. I love what happened in um, Finland recently where five independents formed a government. They were all women in their early 30s, five women, and they took control of the country. So I think that might have to happen in our country, this rise of independence, but I think there's more to be done outside that sphere at the moment in terms of the storytelling, um, motivating people to action, and then trying to take the lead and show the politicians how to lead by showing them what people are enthusiastic for and highlighting the changes that they want to see. So I, I think that we're doing much better work at the moment outside of that game. Damon, listen, I, I could talk, no joke, so it's, it's about 10 o'clock here at night. I, I could talk for hours, man, and you sound like a guy who could go for hours. You've done 175 Q&As. I mean, honestly, respect, admiration, thank you. Uh, for the film, for your passion, for your commitment. I mean, and for your hope, man. So you might be half full, but maybe it's half full of hope, you know? <laughs> um, as long as it's not full of something else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So so just as we kind of wrap up, and honestly, I, I, I'm looking forward to meeting. I hope I can, I can facilitate a live Q&A with you one day. Um, I think we'd have a blast so what's your 2040.com uh, impact campaign uh, coming soon to a school near you? Is this, is this a global campaign? So you got curriculum, you got, you got long, probably long form interviews. I've spent a bit of time on the site. Beautiful site, by the way, too. Gorgeous. So, so yeah, what's, what's next for people who are watching who want to step in? It's got to be more than just a petition. Yeah, I would say go to our website, as you, as you mentioned, and there's a button there that says activate your plan. And once you hit that, we ask you a series of questions about the type of person you are and what you resonate with and how much time you might have available. And then we'll give you six or seven things that you can get on with. And we've tailored that to North America now and moved it away from Australia. We've got one for the UK, but there's also one for North America. And there's lots of different entry points for people to get involved, whether you're a teacher or you're in the food space or you're a, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, we want to keep this conversation going. Um, I'm doing a project with Paul Hawken actually at the moment. So we're nice. he's just about to finish a new book and we're doing a, a sort of a series and a lot of content based on that. That's a whole new raft of solutions, which is incredibly exciting. And we have some wonderful people involved there. So we'll be continuing to tell these stories and amplify the message. And we, we just encourage people to get involved. And as you know, once you sort of, you go down that rabbit hole and you start to see what is possible, you do feel the genuine hope, and it, it is a real hope that there are people doing wonderful things and they have a, an opportunity to change the world. So the more we can share those stories, right now especially, we need everyone to be amplifiers and to contribute to this collective hive mind we've created. Mm. Don't share the old story. Don't share the fear narrative. Share the exciting, hopeful, 
um, components and metaphors of the new story. What, what I love about your film is anyone who sees it has a responsibility now to go out and buy a shovel. Like th there's a sense in which to me, I mean, this is what's so beautiful and philosophical and existential about your film as well. You kind of can't go back now. And, and if you do, hmm, okay, well, that's, that's not the way forward. I mean, what, wh where's the responsibility in that, right? I mean, we all have a choice to make, it seems to me, but I, I think you've given us incredible reasons mm -hmm. to hope and, and that's a beautiful like that. thing. That's a lovely thing to say, David. It's like there's a red pill and there's a blue pill, but now, now maybe, right. there's, maybe there's a green pill as well. So take nice. the green pill and get involved. Take the, dream, uh, the green pill and head to whatsyour2040.com. David, thanks, thanks a lot for your time today. What a pleasure chatting. And uh, are you working, I mean, you, you're in the middle of it. Clearly, you got another film in mind, a few films. What's, what's going on for you right now? Yeah, there's a lot of things flying around. And I guess it changes all the time with what's happening around the world and thinking what is the most required thing or where could I put my energy right now? And obviously, there's so much more work to do in this regeneration space. So I'm still doing that. But I think I'm really interested in this polluted information environment and mm. how we cut through that and how we collectively make sense of things uh, is a real interest for me as well. So, yeah, we'll see. The, the juggle yeah. is on, but uh, we'll see what lands first. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's next from Good Thing Productions, that's for sure. Uh, hey, listen, thanks. What a pleasure chatting with you. We've been talking with Damon Gamow about his new film, 2040. Check it out. Uh, I guess coming soon to a digital theater near you. It's there. It's available. Uh, check it out. Damon, thanks for your time today, man. What a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, David. All the best. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.